the CPHI podcast series. Welcome to the CPHI podcast series. I'm Lucy Chard, Digital Editor for CPHI Online. and this episode, I'm joined by Nick Hunt, the Global Head of Sustainability from Nellipack Healthcare Packaging, to discuss a day in the life of the Chief Sustainability Officer, what the role encompasses, and the importance in the wider context of the pharmaceutical and healthcare industry. Nellipack Healthcare Packaging is a leading global manufacturer of rigid and flexible packaging solutions for medical device, diagnostic, pharmaceutical drug delivery and other demanding applications. Nick Hunt is excited by the opportunities for material science to make the world safer, healthier and give a better quality of life. Nick feels lucky to be involved in materials from paper and polymers to carbon fibre and he's been asked to lead divisional functions and businesses across North America and Europe for Berry Global, Amcor, Jarbil and JHG. He moved to focus on sustainability from a corporate strategy leadership role and thinks building a sustainable economy is probably the biggest business challenge we currently face. So welcome, Nick. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please, could you give a little bit of background to the responsibilities of your role as the Global Head of Sustainability at Nellipack and how this role in general in the industry came about? Thanks for the chance to, uh, to be here today, Lucy. Okay, So for me, the CSO leads the vision that powers a more sustainable business. As a supplier to healthcare packaging, Nellipack doesn't actually make medical devices or treat patients. What we do is an essential part of enabling that process, healthcare, to be safe and effective. So as a result, our sustainability vision can be made very simple. It's to help healthcare be sustainable. The packaging is a key part of the scope three emissions for pharmaceutical and medical companies. Uh, Our supply chain resilience is key to their ability to deliver healthcare. So while our vision sounds simple, help healthcare be sustainable, It's about our emissions, the design for circularity, our social actions, how we treat resilience and risk, uh, and our credentialing. And they all have to plug and play and advance the sustainability of the pharmaceutical and the healthcare companies. So reducing our emissions is what drives healthcare companies to reduce their scope three emissions. We have to make sure we're doing that at the appropriate rate. Yeah, that's where the key thing lies, isn't it, in the, the scope three emissions? It's the secret. So our focus has three main areas, really, or my focus has three main areas. The first really is external. It's staying fully engaged with legislation, regulatory compliance and reporting. It's understanding customer commitments to markets, to investors and to healthcare. And it's understanding our commitment to uh, our employees and our investors, which is part of the long-term business viability. So external is the first area. Internal is the second area, and that's really focusing on the process, the programs that drive our emissions. It's the products and social and diversity actions that we do, and the plans for growing business continuity and resilience. So if you like, it's creating the material focus for the business and then setting the ruler for how far we advance down that path. So it includes growing organisational capabilities, uh, and it improves embedding sustainability across all the activities in the business. That flows into sort of the third big focus area for me, uh, which is around engagement. So a lot of sustainability today is around cultural change. It's about bringing awareness across everybody in our organisation. 
And ultimately, it's about purpose. And I think that's the most exciting part of this. Manufacturing businesses now have a higher purpose and an opportunity to contribute to a change in healthcare and to help healthcare be sustainable. So what would you say that you do uh, as part of your role in a typical week at work on a, on a day-to-day basis? What are your priorities and what are the, the most important things that you're working on at the minute? I think priorities is actually a very good way of looking at this because there is so much happening. When I talk to my peers, consistent priorities are around channeling the speed of external change into the business. And then it's internal change management and what that involves day to day. So I share my focus between developing the strategic path for Nellipac, championing a lot of first-in-class programs uh, as we start to implement and catalyze change, spreading sustainability through the organization. And I also take time to talk with customers every week. I think it's critical to keep on the pulse of the leading specific customer programs as we work through them. And then the final piece in this is really about keeping the wheels of sustainability turning. So increasingly, as supply chain transparency becomes more normal, we're working with surveys, assessments and compliance, and that's evolving very quickly. So as a sense of scale, we're dealing with a survey or a compliance request every two to three days. So over 100 a year. And it's evolving very quickly. So keeping the wheels turning sustainably is ensuring that nothing gets dropped. And that's so important. That's the thing. It's all working towards this goal, but it's it's constant, constant work. <laughs> um, it's uh, you're not letting anything up. You can't reach a certain point and then just stop. It's 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 going to be uh, continuous, isn't it? Yeah. And that's a really good point about reporting because that's something that's become uh, in the last few years. People have noted that you know we need to know exactly what's going on. We need to know where the emissions are coming from. We need to know all of this stuff to actually be able to action it and make a difference uh, to the impact that we're having. So reporting is really key part of that too. So Yeah, and maybe behind reporting, it's the cultural change towards transparency right through the value chain, which is actually a very significant move forward from where traditionally supply chains have been. So adapting to that is is a new area for all of us in the value chain. Yeah, absolutely. So the chief sustainability officer and sustainability teams as a whole at companies have been, they've been established in the industry for a few decades, but I think it's only a bit more recently that they've been really shone a light on and people are a lot more aware that these teams actually exist in companies. Do you think that's because of that shift in how people are viewing sustainability, that these teams are becoming a bit more prominent? I think that there has been a very strong shift. It's a great question. And when I, when I think about it, you know, we've seen an increased evidence of climate impact across a much wider geography over the last 25 to 30 years. We've also seen global action by the United Nations. So, for example, the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. Uh, We've also seen a measurement developing much more uh, profoundly around that. So the almost universal adoption of eco-vadis and carbon disclosure as ways of assessing businesses. There is now stronger targets and stronger measurements. Corporate commitments and government commitments are evolving from that. So as governments write the um, United Nations SDGs into law and then companies start to commit to those rules, that, again, further hardens up the the focus around sustainability. 
And I think from the healthcare industry, as I look outside, there are examples of evolution in other segments that show the art of the possible. So a great example of that is the adoption of uh, electric vehicles replacing combustion engines, driven by a convergence of legislation and technology. So it's showing what can be done, the art of the possible. We're also seeing a, a change in how sustainability is now being added into enterprise valuation. So there is a positive reward, there is a benefit to corporations as they deliver a more sustainable world. But the one I think really changes how sustainability is seen, the fundamental piece at the bottom, it is the changing awareness and desire in society and the workforce. So if the, all the other things are, are the what, this is the how. So millennials bring a completely different value set as they start to move into leadership roles in organisations than the baby boomers who are retiring now. The people entering the workforce now, Generation Z, they're actually choosing where to invest their work time based on purpose. And they're seeking out purpose-led organisations. When you think about what that means in reality, it means millions of discretionary choices are being made every day in companies with a greater bias towards finding a sustainable solution. So if you like, all the the legislative uh, and evidence-based information is the catalyst. But what's making the change happen is the energy of the workforce and society to see that catalyst turned into something. For sure. I know for me personally, when looking for like my current role and things like that, I've always, one of the first thing that I've looked up when I've seen a job advertisement has been, you know, go on the website, what are their sustainability values? What are they doing? What's their contribution? And I think it's, as it is for me, it's, I think it's very important for a lot of people, as you say, entering the workforce now, which is really good to see. And also is, is definitely driving a change through just that culture um, and that mentality in the workforce, which is good to see. And I think the public perception of sustainability, like you say, that I think the public are becoming a bit more aware as well. And that just naturally makes it a greater priority for companies and adds value, which I think is very, very interesting. A lot of, particularly manufacturing industry, which is part of where we would sit, has struggled for purpose in the past. We are, it's about output and production, which is fantastic. Those are all very, very valid reasons for businesses to, to exist and, and to continue to, to thrive. Sustainability uh, layers on top of that the opportunity to have a more purpose-led aspect to the business as well, which I think is a fantastic change that we all have a chance to grasp and deliver on. I've spoken to a few other companies and they've said said the same thing that traditionally businesses just focus on output and those kind of things. But now it's definitely their priorities are shifting and they're looking at how they build in these things right at the start. And that makes a big difference and adds value. And talking about adding value to from a business perspective, I think there was uh, historically a bit of a misconception about making sustainable processes, incorporating them is quite an expensive thing to do. And although that is true in some cases, as you said, there's benefits for it and there's things put in place to make it easier for companies to to do them and long term it generally actually is a financial benefit overall are you struggling to cut through the noise the pharmaceutical industry can be a crowded market partner with cphi online the largest pharma marketplace and community worldwide 
and get direct access to 280,000 farmer buyers and gather qualified leads all year round to help build your pipeline and grow your revenue. With CPHI Online, you'll be able to stand out from the competition and reach a large global farmer audience. To learn more about promoting your company using only one platform, go to cphionline.com. Going back to what you touched on a minute ago with looking at legislation and working with regulatory bodies, does your role work with governments and regulatory bodies quite a lot, quite intimately? And how do you think that this relationship can be improved if it needs to be? So, and, and let me focus on this from my, my industry segment, which is healthcare and, and packaging. In healthcare, I would look to three different groupings when we talk about government regulation. I think about um, taxation, legislation, and regulation, and all three exist together. So, for example, plastic packaging tax is something the UK implemented in 2022 that focuses on all packaging in the UK, and it captures healthcare inside that. And along with plastic packaging tax, I would link in things like uh, EPR schemes as well, which are expanding around the world. We also have the, the legislation that is coming in in areas like CSFD and SFDR. So we're starting to see the concept of double materiality. and We're starting to see legislation about how we report and how we value sustainability. And then the third area, the, the regulation piece, the healthcare industry has regulations specifically uh, around the healthcare value chain. And this would be ISO standards, such as in my case, ISO 11607, covering packaging for medical devices, but also the FDA and pharmacopoeia. So those regulations exist in countries, but are generally applied around the world. So many countries adopt the FDA standards, even though the FDA doesn't directly cover their country. So when I look at that group of, of legislation, regulation, taxation, I see sustainability as a value chain or a value circle responsibility. No one company or one part of the value chain has the answers to, to that regulation, legislation or taxation. The role of the trade associations and the collaborators, collaborations are, are therefore key in this beyond the individual role of one CSO. In my view, with this many stakeholders involved, it's essential the engagement is focused and condensed. So engagement with government or engagement with regulators, it's focused, it condensed, it, it clearly captures what the supply chain needs and it has that request with the minimum noise. Personally, I work with the uh, Healthcare Plastics Recycling Council. I work with the Sterile Barrier Association and the Sustainable Medicines Partnership. As I think those are the groups that bring the widest or the correct scope and are the best at bringing down the request to simple requirements with the least noise. I also engage directly with organisations like the National Health Service. So I get the widest possible view of changes that are happening. But ultimately, I think it's the responsibility of the industry to collaborate, to generate one voice with the least noise. Do you think that by using collaboration and by working with those different teams and with like the National Health Service and things like that, do you think that helps to avoid greenwashing effectively that 
generally, I think when companies tend to set their, their own individual targets and it's not held accountable or working with a particular group, like you mentioned, that can often be the case. But so do you think that level of collaboration helps to, to mitigate that? I think that the, the, the wide scale adoption of, of universal measures and goals, so the United Nations goals and how that filters through into a structure, but also then how Ecovader's carbon disclosure are being widely adopted as the metrics. That is aligning the value chain around a common set of principles, measurements, the existence of science-based targets and the adoption of that, particularly in the healthcare industry, is setting the bar, if you like, for, for what's being expected from the value chain. Uh, and that's one universal standard as well. Uh, and then... CSFD and SFDR, so a formalization of, of reporting and materiality, is, I think, going a long way to addressing greenwashing. Making this a requirement for reporting adds emphasis and rigor and ensures, really, if you like, that the, the frameworks are being used properly. That's brilliant. That's what we want to see, isn't it? Yeah. So what do you think that the future looks like for CSOs and for the future of sustainability in, in the pharma industry, in the healthcare industry? I think we're in a time of change and incremental change is really good. It's like skiing down a mountain. You know, you're aiming to get to your goal uh, and you're continuously improving as you, as you move down the mountain. Transformational change, I think, is something different. The ground underneath isn't constant, so think of it more like skiing down an avalanche. So there's lots of transformational events going on now and on the horizon. 10 billion people, double materiality, the development of advanced recycling capabilities, artificial intelligence, the development of renewable technology for power and energy, waste processing infrastructure and addressing the technology and the investment deficits that are there are, are just a few of those that are making this a transformational time uh, around sustainability. For me, the CSO's future involves rationalizing and bridging between these externalities and the activities of the business. Uh, it's then about informing, persuading, leading those changes in the business itself. It is very like an avalanche. An avalanche has a hard stop when it hits the valley. Sustainability has a hard stop of 2050. So I think the, the future of the uh, Chief Sustainability Officer looks purposeful, which you think is incredibly exciting, an incredibly exciting uh, objective and goal. Uh, in healthcare, healthcare has been extremely good at organising around sustainability. 19 out of the 20 top medical device companies have made net zero commitments publicly, which is an incredibly powerful statement. Uh, what's very impressive is the speed that that is flowing down through their organisations uh, and the extent to which they understand now uh, what a sustainable healthcare uh, environment looks like in 2050 and how quickly they are building the bridges to get there. So it is still an avalanche. They don't have a complete roadmap. They do have, and what's really exciting is the first bridges, and we as an industry are already moving across them uh, and starting to create a more sustainable healthcare future. I see that only accelerating in the conversations I have with customers every year. That's really encouraging. I really like that analogy as well. The avalanche, is, it paints quite a picture, but it's quite an emotive picture as well. So it really gives you the impression of the impact of, of all of this and um, 
how big it all really is. And I think, um, you know, you're quite right. It is very exciting to see what we do. And also uh, in terms of talking about the, the bigger companies and making those net zero commitments, that's definitely, I think they very quickly recognized how intrinsically linked public health and planet health is and that you, you just can't have one without the other. And I think that it's really, I've definitely seen that a lot of companies are, are really noting that. And I, I think it's really encouraging to see how hard we're starting to work to make sure that those are key priorities. And I'm definitely looking forward to seeing how that progresses. And yes, like you say, it's, it is a very exciting to see what happens. And as you said, the industry is just moving so quickly. There's so much technology that's going to be coming out and so much innovation in this area. It's going to be so thrilling to see how it goes. Absolutely. One thing we like to keep in mind in Alipac as we're thinking about this is between 1900 and 2050, the population will increase seven times. And per head of population, we're currently four times more polluting. So that's a 28-fold, roughly, increase in our impact on the planet. And while we're growing, the planet isn't. And that really focuses exactly what you said. It's about people. It's about the planet. And it's about the ability of businesses to continue to deliver to the people over the long period of time. As we see and resource availability change and climate conditions change. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah, over that long period, it's not it's not a five year plan. It's it's uh, for generations to come. Well, that's all of the questions that I've got for you, Nick. But thank you so much for joining me. I thought that was a really brilliant conversation, and I am very excited to see how the role develops and to follow the work of SEOs in the future. Now, thanks for the chance to uh, to join you, Lucy. I'm I'm very excited too, and uh, I think we have a huge opportunity to make purposeful change, which is something to really get out of bed for in the morning. It was such a pleasure to have Nick joining me there discussing the role of the Chief Sustainability Officer in the pharmaceutical and healthcare industry. I thought it was so fascinating to see all of the different aspects that one has to consider in that role and how important and integral it is to the company that they're working for and for the industry as a whole and the planet even. And I thought that was really fascinating and I really loved to see how positive Nick was about the shape of the industry and the future. Looking forward to all of this innovation and working on so many new and exciting projects to see how we can improve the sustainability of the pharmaceutical industry. That positivity was really infectious and I'm so looking forward to seeing how it progresses. And I hope you also all enjoyed listening to that. If you'd like to listen to more on the cphi podcast series please remember to sign up on apple Podcasts, spotify and also see our website for more links and don't forget to sign up to our cphi online newsletter as well for all of the updates including a specific sustainability spotlight that we have in the newsletter including all of our sustainability content from cphi online so thank you very much all for listening and i will see you very shortly Thank you for listening to the CPHI podcast series. For pharmaceutical news, webinars, events and more, visit cphionline.com.